This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, could Cali Dent D delight and upbeat United have sagging saints in their sights? Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie and Podding alongside me this week are Alan Temple. Good day. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And back from a trip across the Irish Sea to see Joe Biden, I think. <laughs> George Cran. Bet you never thought you'd hear Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting Joe Biden to be there when we, we picked our, <laughs> our trip to see family, but never mind. Well, George... At least you did. Well, you did miss a Dundee game. Just the one, yeah. And they didn't win? No. And they drew three over Morton? For the first time all season, they scored against Morton, though. It's, it's been nil-nil uh, boar fest so sum, far. No, one sums up football, eh? What, one goal in what, how many matches and then six in half an hour <laughs> or something like that. Bizarre. But, George's circumstances of that point... Dundee's equaliser coming th- deep in injury time after being 3-1 down in the second half. It's always a sort of a sense of elation what a point like that, but in the bigger picture, they're making it tough for themselves again, aren't they? Yeah, um, they kind of hark back to the, the bad old days of the first half of the season when things go bad, they go really bad and Dundee could see three goals. It's a uh, strange thing for, for having the best defence in the in the league. Uh, and barely given up even any chances in previous games in the run-up to this one. Suddenly they could see three goals. Um, but they're still top of the league with three games to go. At the start of the season, might have taken that. I know people, we've spoken in this podcast about them, possibly they should be running away with it, but it never really happens in, in the championship. Uh, and it's not a bad position to be in. Plus they've given themselves... They put themselves in a really bad situation. They got themselves out of it to an extent with a, with a point. And the last the comeback in stoppage time will give, should give them a lot of belief for the final few games, which are going to be pretty tough. They're now playing third place in Burness the weekend. The out of nowhere. Team. Out of nowhere. Cove Rangers, you'd expect them to win that, but that, there'll be a different kind of pressure on that and then heading obviously to Queen's Park for the final game. So in the last three games, they've got second and third to play. But if you, if you want to win the league, you have to beat the big teams. But they could have done it a bit earlier. They could, <laughs> <laughs> they could have done, but they're still top. They're in position. Bear, you were there on Saturday. Was it a good point or two points dropped? Just what you said, Tom. When you're when you're three one down with fifteen minutes to go, and three two down, and you're five minutes into stoppage time, it's a fantastic point. Flip it the other way around. If you were three one up and you and you lose that, it's disaster. Yeah. Um, but it did feel, you know, it well, did, look what it did for Morton. You're down to six now. Yeah, you saw the players, you, you saw the bench, what they felt about it. You saw the fans at the end, you know, and it could be, you know, in the in the final picture, it could be crucial. Yeah that point but I think more so for morale not to lose that game yeah. and, mm. and the way they managed to dig it out was very important we spoke last week about uh, Noel Hunt and he, I think Alan mentioned him being just a wasp, waspish type character Doogie Emery is exactly the same you just kind of shake him off he's and his they team can do it as a player yeah exactly and you know he's, he's one of these guys that the Dundee fans love to hate for various reasons I'll say which we won't go into on this podcast despite <laughs> him secretly working yeah, for Dundee right. for a while that's and coaching kids in the west coast no, for them I know mm-hmm. I know I think he's just it's his drive and, and you, you see you saw how deflated he was at the end but for the game itself George is right I mean there's a Dundee I suppose you could say the first two goals were poor goals, but the first one's an overhead kick from a centre half from about 18 yards. And I wasn't, I wasn't, he didn't catch it brilliantly, but it was a lobbed overhead kick, if you like. And mm. it caught Adam Legson just six yards off his line and it loops in over the top of the net. But the second goal is simply sensational. Robbie Muirhead, we've seen it before. He what a left it. foot yeah. he's got. I mean, they got that free kick, and I thought it was, it was against Ryan Sweeney. I thought it was a wee bit harsh, but when you see him stepping up, 
I become totally concerned and he just he just whipped it up up and over the wall and into the top corner and there was a few guys criticising Adam Legs and I'm going come on come on you know Goalies union oh no but <laughs> what a sensational free kick it was and you know and then Dundee then go and concede another bad goal and, and, and the writing's on the wall for them to be fair they didn't play very well on the day I don't think the way they've been playing with Jordan McGee and, and uh, Leo mm. Cameron in the middle of the park and the two and then the two wide men I don't think it worked on Saturday so well they never really got a grip of the middle of the park um, and consequently they never really got much service proper service to, to the wide men and the front men and they were always always chasing slightly but you know hats off hats off to them for, for grabbing that last gas point and, and hats off to Kwame Thomas um, he, he, the manager has showed great faith in him it wasn't Alex Kubiak's best day. He, he changed it, brought on Kwame Thomas with about 20 minutes to go. He got Dundee back into the game and he managed to get, you know, a, a viable, viable equaliser. So, yeah, I mean, as always with Dundee fans, you are worried. You, you never you never lose that <laughs> concerned feeling. But, You're born worried. Yeah, what I would say is, Tom, I'd be more worried if Queen's Park were at the top with a point advantage. Dundee are in the box seat. They've got, they've got their destiny in their own hands. They know what they've got to do. Um... And they've got to take heart from that point and go up to Inverness on Saturday, which will be a really tough game. There's no doubt about that. They're a form team and get something from there. There's still every chance Dundee will win the league. In fact, I think that it's, it's likelihood as Dundee that's will win the league. for you to say. You're not watching. <laughs> However, <laughs> the, the thing that's disappointing after, after the weekend is, I think prior to the weekend, there was a real, maybe an increasing belief that it might not even go to that last day. Yeah. You know, Because I think you talk about the... Uh, eternal Dundee's fans pessimism uh, it's kind of an ongoing theme of this podcast actually but it's um, it's called life <laughs> <laughs> with with that in mind the prospect of a last day shootout kind of um, looms large and the, it was a realistic prospect when you looked at the form that Dundee were on and you looked at the trajectory of Queen's Park that it might not even go to that shootout at Oakleview so the fact that that is now looming is um, I wouldn't say concerning, but it's it's a shame because I think there was a real chance that Dundee could have had this sewn up before the last day of the season. Whereas now, you look at the fixture list, and yeah, a lot will depend on Friday night. That's going to be a really interesting one. Error, uh, error. I wouldn't say in free fall, but they're they're struggling a wee bit, and uh, you know they, they'll be but they'll be battling tooth and nail to try and stay in the playoffs. Queens Park also need the result, that's going to be a really, really big one. Um, and I think that will go a long way to deciding not only you know whether it goes to the last day, but also we're at that stage of the season where every other result has an impact mm. on your mentality and your motivation. Can the result the previous night or earlier in the day give you an extra 5%, 10%? Imagine if Queen's Park lose. Um, you know, yeah. if you're in your Dundee going into that game on Saturday, you know, Inverness's form be damned. You know, you would you would have a spring in your step and, and really, really fancy it. So, um, interesting 48 hours that will be really interesting in terms of deciding whether it does go to that last day shootout. George, Dundee and Queen's Park are actually just happy that Inverness's run didn't start a couple of games earlier. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Because especially Dundee, Dundee, four points. Advantage. They've got three games to go. Inverness, because their Scottish Cup semi-final, uh, played Hamilton the other night. Fantastic comeback to win that one in the last 15 minutes. They're four points behind Dundee, three points behind uh, Queen's Park. They are the they're one of the form teams in the country just now. Yeah. Never mind the championship. Well, it just shows you what happens in the in the championship when you string a, a run of wins together. It's six wins in a row, I think. It is, and it's it's just fired them right up the table. They were nowhere. Eight at wins the start from of the last nine. Is Only it? Only one defeat or two one defeat against Queen's Park. I did some research. Wow, <laughs> more amazing, eh? More than I did. It's been a boring week. I've nothing else to do. <laughs> to be fair, George has been on holiday, <laughs> schmoozing with the most yeah. powerful man yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but I did watch uh, the highlights from the Inverness game at Hamilton, and Hamilton's defending was uh, generous, sh shall we say, to Inverness. Um, Damn them! Very, very poor goals they conceded. But yeah, it's too late for Inverness to to really go for the top spot. But they obviously can have an impact on it against Dundee at the weekend. They do have this Scottish Cup semi final coming up uh, next. I was going weekend. to say is that it's the plus side for Dundee. Inverness will be playing their third game in a week. Yeah, and their game after Dundee is their biggest game of the season. 
Uh, and one unless of the, they get to the playoff final. One of the biggest games of the players' careers, probably. Because yeah. um, it's a very real chance to get to a Scottish Cup final. I win not just the Scottish Cup final, but no disrespect to Falkirk. And as both managers have said, both sets of players will be thinking exactly the yeah. same. It's a great chance to get to a Scottish Cup final. So you'll have. Does you'll, that distract them? Or? A wee bit, I, I would think. You've got players who want to show what they can do to get in that team, but there'll be also players that don't want to get injured. That maybe just takes a couple of percent off off their the levels that they need to be at in the championship. As we see how close the, every game near enough is, um, I don't think it's the worst timing for Dundee to be going up there. Obviously, Dundee really don't have a good record up there either. Uh, only one league win ever up in Inverness. Well, funnily enough, I was going to say that was the this season. Research though. I didn't do was <laughs> because I know how bad Dundee's yeah. record is. I didn't know it was that bad. But I don't look at the head-to-heads yeah. in Inverness, cause. But it was this season. Mm-hmm. It was the the first the first win up there. So um, I don't know. I, I think I'm really I'm looking forward to. It. I think it'd be a really good game that, as, as Alan says, will t- tells a lot about where this league title is going to end up. Um, it is one of these games that you look forward to, except maybe if you're you're the team that's not in the best form of the two teams. Yeah, but Dundee are unbeaten in seven themselves, so they're, they're not in like horrendous form. I know Inverness is. I like this better form. Talk to <laughs> Inverness have got to be one of the streakiest teams in the country yeah. throughout this season, and even last season, uh, they they seem to always mount this really late playoff charge, and they always go through these runs where it was only a few weeks ago that Billy Dodds' yeah. dog job was in so danger. It's mm-hmm. a small squad thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Like injuries, a couple injuries, yeah. injuries that really hurts them. They yeah. don't have a big squad. It's uh, it's them and I feel like Hibs are the two sort of streakiest yeah. teams mm. in Scotland that you either, they're always either in a state of crisis <laughs> or the form team in the country. It's very, very peculiar. Oh, you can. You can go away for a couple of weeks holiday and you come back. That's what I did. Hibs, Hibs, Hibs and Inverness are two teams and you're like, oh no, I'm not, lo- I'm not looking forward to playing them. But they've lost their last three games and they, they just, yeah. you, you never know. That, but It's also the Billy Dodds factor yeah, I, there. I, I think if you're Billy Dodds, you, George is talking about the players and you never know what's going to be in players' minds. Mm. And I think they all want to play in the, in the Cup semi-final. And I would suggest the best way to play is to go out and get a win against Dundee and just play your, your natural game and take whatever comes your way. I mean, it, you can never legislate for injuries and tackles and things like that. Anything can happen. Yeah. But Bully Dodds won't be having anybody slacking. Maybe the case of one or two of them are carrying knocks or are a bit fatigued. Yeah, they don't get played. Yeah. They, might, they might be arrested. But another, you know, I mean, they'll be going they'll be going hell for leather. I mean, I, I expect Inverness to be in the playoffs now that the run they've been on. They've got Dundee at home. They've got Air United at home. I think they'll do enough. To, to get in in the in the top four and were you're right. I mean, thankfully the run didn't start earlier. Mm-hmm. They could have been in a real position to actually win the title. I think the elephant in the room for Inverness is financially the money that's on the table to, that is there to get to it. They're going to make money from the Scottish Cup semi-finals, but that will be dwarfed by the money they can make from a Scottish Cup final and for a team that uh, I think was eight hundred grand. They made a loss last season yeah. and was really sort of struggling financially. What? You know, what a bonus that would be, considering that I actually lost in the Scottish Cup this season to Queen's Park and were reinstated because Queen's Park... Forgot about that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a massive game f- for both teams, you know, and like George says, Dundee have got a poor record up there, but they, they can't take heart from the fact they did win it up there earlier on this season. They can't take heart from the fact that the recent game at Dens Park, although it finished one all. Dundee should have quite comfortably won that game. Inverness got a bit of a break with her goal and Dundee had a, mm. a goal chopped off that was a mile onside. Yeah. <laughs> we're, clutching, we're clutching the straws a wee bit here. But no, I think I think it's set up for a cracking game. What I'm what I'm be interested to see, Tom, Alan's brilliantly mentioned that there is a game on Friday night, Area United against Queen's Park. If the result goes Dundee's way, will that influence Gary Boyer's decision and the sort of lineup he puts out? Is he going to maybe go a bit more cautious if if, if if sort of Aye, if yeah. Queen's Park lose that game and, and set up not to lose the game, but well, that's the thing. That, do you think he'll stick with Cameron in the middle and going with the four four two? Because if I it didn't work at the weekend, and then I'm just wondering if he, if he, if he, if he, if he, if he didn't yeah, quite work. I'm just wondering if he uh, if he 
Pool's one of the strikers. He's been playing two up top, whether it's been Jakubiak and Robinson. It was it was Thomas. It'd be a hard call not yeah. to start Thomas after he scored two goals. But I'm just wondering if he plays another midfielder in there because they do miss they do miss Jordan McGee's yeah. uh, you know, energy and drive and you know his, his tough tackling in the, in the middle of the park. Although Maguire, Maguire did well, but I think they were a wee bit more exposed last week against Morton and that would be my concern mm. going up to Inverness. Or did they go with the two, two big men? Go with Kwame and Zach Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, just but, yeah. Miss out the midfield and just go. Well, for it. we'll find out a quarter past two on <laughs> on Saturday afternoon, George. Yeah. I must admit, I don't know Kwame Thomas well enough, but it'd be a big call to leave Jakubiak out of this one because of his energy. We don't know. He's a boy you could give. He's different. Yeah. You can give defensive duties to because mm-hmm. he gets he, he he's got a great engine, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because well, obviously I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but he didn't have a great game against away at Abroth a couple of weeks ago either but then came came on a game mm-hmm. and scored uh, in the following one so it's I don't know it's it's a big call I think Jakubiak as well as Jakubiak did a fantastic game on Saturday but you've also got as I've spoken about in the past Luke McKibben on Saturday very disappointing after some sterling performances yeah. and, and then he, he has a game where he just he just doesn't reach mm. the standards that he's reached and other games and that gives you a real problem Hopefully and you've got Jakubiak not in this week. you've got a couple you're playing 4-4-2 you need, you need everybody yeah. on it you know the, I mean the one thing we've maybe overlooked here we're saying that it is a big game tomorrow uh, but it's a big game for Inverness to watch because they might be they might be going into Saturday thinking we've a real chance of automatic promotion if things go there if they can beat Dundee yeah I would take a hell of a hell of a sequence of results. It's not beyond possibility. It's still on. I mean, I mm. would take I would take Cove beating Dundee at Dents. That's Queens that's, Park get yeah. beat tomorrow. Inverness are looking to draw level. Yeah, with them oh, yeah. in second place. Yeah, no, no, I understand. And that. if they beat Dundee, they're only a point behind Dundee. Mm. Play the game. Play the game more. Yeah, right? uh, that's game. what's going to kill. Uh, I mean, yeah. Inverness only have six points left on the board, and they're four points behind Dundee. Mm. So, and Dundee have Cove. Yeah, it's so I, I think even though like my counsellor <laughs> <you know, laughs> calming me down all the time, it's okay. There's even the most optimistic Highlander that thinks you're a wee bit, <laughs> a wee bit optimistic there. But what I would say is second place, 100% oh, in yeah. their sights, and that is not an inconsequential target because then you don't play in the third versus fourth um, yeah. promotion playoff quarterfinal, and that's that makes it less of a grind. It is tough to get out of the championship. It's almost the impossible if you're third or fourth. Exactly. Well, they, they, get to the they found out last season when yeah. they knocked their growth out, but they were absolutely knackered against Yeah. Them. So it, it goes from being difficult to nigh on impossible yeah. to, to go up, I think. And from memory, I think Livy did it um, off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, and maybe Hamilton, the year that they put um, out Hibs, I think they might have. But either way, yeah. uh, Livingston certainly did it, but it, it takes it takes an almighty effort. Cost and United one year. United took their eye off the mm-hmm. ball because they weren't getting first. Yeah. They knew they were in the playoffs and they dropped down to third, mm-hmm. I think it was. And yeah. I, I remember actually it was Raymond McKinnon at the time saying to me, the, ta- the final was against Am- Hamilton, Second leg at half time, United had a great first half down at Hamilton, and mm-hmm. Raymond went in there to tell the boys another 45 minutes like that, and we're in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And it was a year afterwards, he said he went in the dressing room. <laughs> Yeah. They were basically they were they were on their knees. They yeah. were exhausted. I remember, and he just I, thought this is so hard for them. Yeah, I remember Hussey said the exact same thing when he was Falkirk manager. They beat Kilmarnock one 0 in the yeah. in the first leg at the Falkirk Stadium. Went to Rugby Park, got beat four 0 by by Lee Clark's Kelly, and just said well, they were just shattered. Yeah, like there yeah. is only so much you can do when a, a team full of boys and you don't have a big squad. They just don't have anything to give. They're human beings. Aye. So make no mistake, second place is huge, absolutely huge. And, and Inverness will, will know that, yeah. you know, regardless of the, the, the semi-final that's looming. I mean, we mentioned it there. Jordan McGee isn't going to play any part. That's, that's a blow. He's been a a foundation for their yeah, midfield, hasn't he? He's not always uh, got the maybe the plaudits he maybe deserves in that position. I don't think he was great in the first half of the season. Not... not didn't hit the heights they had done in the previous championship campaign when he did really well in midfield. But alongside Charlie Adam, they they, they had a a good partnership together. Uh, really, kind of balanced each other out in, in terms of their strengths on the pitch. And it maybe didn't quite click in the first half of the season. Although Dundee as a whole 
didn't until that, that, that run in December. Uh, but I think over the last few weeks, he's really shown his worth. Um, popped up with a few goals as well this season, uh, which is always handy. Barry Maguire coming in, I think it's a decent player. He doesn't quite bring the same kind of leadership, I don't think, that McGee does. He's, he's been around a long time. He's, he's still fairly young. He's, he's yeah. right in his prime, but um, he's a big player in that dressing room, I think. And I, I think he's he's well. Gary Boyer called him the unsung hero, and I think that's pretty much bang on um, for what he does. He always seems team. to handle the big games as well, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah. If he even if he's sometimes I question his consistency a wee bit, not not hugely, but he I mean he was a great performer for Dundee last time they came yeah. up and and the, in the run and in the, yeah. in the uh, playoff games and. It's a big thing. Yeah, he's yeah. versatile as well. You can all, he'll just step in at right back or, or centre half yeah. if somebody gets injured or, or is out for a few minutes. Um, yeah, and I, I think he maybe helped bring the best out of Lyle Cameron in that position as well because he was he was doing all the, the covering if, to let Lyle, Lyle play. To be honest, and I think that can't be underestimated either. Which, from your words, George, leads me to say, and we're almost. Cont- Contractually obliged to mention <laughs> him at least once a month, Sean Byrne. Yeah, he's still, Expe- he's still there. Know. He's that kind of experienced player that reads a game, knows the game. Mm. Would he's the man for me if you're going up there and you're thinking about changing it slightly and, and, and filling the midfield to put in, put mm-hmm. him in with Maguire and let Cameron just sit in front of them and and and, and, and you know help help the the striker if you've got one striker and, and the two wide men. You know that's the way I would I would. I would go with that, but I'd be very surprised if Sean Byrne comes yeah. in. We've spoken yeah. about this time and time again on the podcast about you know how he's well capable of doing a job and he comes in and does quite well. But unfortunately for Sean Byrne, I just think you know he's not he's not Gary Boyer's first, second, third, or fourth choice <laughs> in these sort of situations. And yeah, it's fair play to him. He's he's never complained about no, that. No. He accepts the situation and he's getting on with it. But um, yeah, I, I just don't see him bring them up, bring them on. No. Interesting. Something we I was maybe remiss not to sort of congratulate him. James McPake got mm-hmm. firm on up. Well Absolutely, done, well yeah. done, Craig White, yeah. and a great performance uh, again. Uh, and no mention of I'm hearing murmurings from through there. Sean Byrne. Yeah, I wouldn't I'd surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either, George. I mean, he's 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 well good enough for the championship. He's still a good age to go in there and play. He can throw things from the middle of the park. He's 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 not blessed with with great pace. But he doesn't have to be. He's good on the ball. He can take doesn't the ball. Have to win Lyle Cameron's ball for him. Yeah, he can take a ball from defence and, and pass it quite quite nicely. And he's got a tackle on him as well. He knows the, the hard side of the game, the dirty side of the game. He knows how to defend and when to defend. And he's, he's experienced enough to know when to put a tackle in. And uh, yeah, that would tick all the boxes for James McPake, surely, coming up to the championship. And as I feel the panic rising again, I'm going back to my councillor, Alan. Is it, is, it, is it actually something we should enjoy? It's a great, I question, like you touched on last week when you said you would bet on the Premier team that's in the playoff winning. Mm. I, I tend, tend to agree with that uh, unless there's unusual circumstances. But it's been a very exciting championship. So rather than me be in panic mode, should I be excited by the climax? No, absolutely not. No, you're a supporter. You should, um, yeah, you should be having nervousness and panic and and all that good stuff. There's there's no way that you can be dispassionate and just enjoy the ride. I can be dispassionate and enjoy the ride, but, and smug. Uh, but no, not not at all. Have, have you seen where Dundee United are in the league? <laughs> yes. No, there's no revenge comes in part two. No, there's no there's no uh, there's no smugness. It's just a uh, you know it's uh, aside from the professional desire to see both Dundee teams in the top flight it's um, it would be patronising to suggest we're going through the same ringer as, as you guys that are supporters so but you know what you would say is Dundee are still favourites and Dundee the are seat. exactly mm-hmm. they're still top of the league and it's still I, I think Gary Boyer will be emphasising this week um, in training take a deep breath Morton game was crazy but have a look at the league table, have a look at the quality we've got in the squad and go and win the league. It's as simple as that. It's Dundee have got a three-game league 
If they win three games, they win the league. It's as simple as that. In fact, when you take factor in Queen's Park results, they might not even need to win all three games. Yeah. So, it's well, even even if Dundee win their next two, yeah. a draw draw's fine. So Final you know, it's there's no there's, there's no need. <laughs> Everyone to, loves playing for a draw, doesn't it? There's no need for panic stations. It's um, but um, to suggest that any Dundee fan should be lying back and enjoying the ride is, <laughs> is maybe slightly patronising of them. Uh, I'm just thinking, as Alan says that, and my angst increases. It's actually it's, it's one of the benefits of having Gary Boyer in charge and that, of course, he'll, he'll be focused now. He knows how serious it is from the point of view of his job, but he's come up from England a, less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. He's not carrying the baggage that people like me <laughs> do, you know, the, the, the fear. And he's not got that. He knows it's serious. He knows it's a, it's a big situation for, for him and his job and and the club he represents, but he's not lived the disappointments yeah. of previous campaigns at Dens Park. And that's, well, very much his mantra, which has been hard to come up with new ways to write it because he keeps saying it every week, but it's the, the whole one game at a time, uh, forgetting what's gone before and what's coming up beyond the game in front of you and just concentrate solely on that game. I think that's a good uh, way to approach massive games like this um, I think I mean and I, I'm the one that a few weeks ago was saying Gary Boyer needs to go to his players and say win, your, win them all win them all now I noticed totally different level obviously at a press conference the other day Pep Guardiola said it's quite simple for us we've just got to win 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 look at all the games we've got coming take them in any order you want. We've got to win them if we're, if we're going to win the Champions mm-hmm. League, if we're going to win because we're behind Arsenal in the league. So he, he took it, but I think what George is saying, Bear, now when you get ahead, that's when you take it one game at a time, isn't it? Yeah, and one thing I would say about Gary Bell, right throughout the season, yeah. his calmness, yeah. his calmness, you know, you Lo- know and, win, and win, yeah. win, lose or draw, yeah. Is, is to be commended. I think it's a it's a good it's a good thing for Scottish football as well to see a manager that's able. I mean, he gets he gets caught up in it on on the touchline, but mm. he's very quickly gets himself back on a level sort of level peg in, in in terms of sort of his own temperament. Um, and he's been great for that. And I think it's it's wise. You know, if you've got a manager that's maybe too excitable, then that does it rubs off on the players very quickly, and things can go, quickly go get out of hand in games. We've we've seen that a manager's uh, antics on the line quickly spreads to players being sent off on the park because yeah. they think that it's okay because the manager's, hmm. you know, getting, you know, I carried away. I've always been one of fans uh, at periods out throughout my career, fans were like, oh, he doesn't seem to get too animated. Yeah. And I always thought, it's no. not the manager's job to get animated. No. The manager's yeah. job's to yeah. analyse the situation yeah, and make a quick decision when something needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And, he, and he's done that throughout the season. As, as I said on the podcast, in the previous podcasts, I think his big, big problem was when he first came in, he didn't know the players well enough. He didn't know what they could do and what they could bring. And, and it's taken him a while to get there, but I think he now does. I think we've seen in the substitutions he's making now, mm. you're less likely to see four players coming on with half an hour to go. Mm-hmm. He's not changing it I've like that anymore. That you know, he, has he was made, a five-sub yeah. game man for a while, and that's he changed. Is, he is still making changes, but it's not quite as sort of gung-ho as, it, as it maybe it has been in the past. Um, but yeah, I think he's a good man to have at the helm time at this at this period in time because it is going to be a, a really nervous period for certain people. It's football. More so for the fans. I'm not even going to the games and I'm panicking. More so for the fans than the players, I think. You know, and the players go out and they basically get told from Gary Boyer, do your job. That's all you've got to do. Just keep doing what you've been doing. And if they do that, they will get enough points to win that league. I'm confident of that. The other thing you don't want to do is give any other manager something to pin on his yeah. dressing room wall yeah. at this yeah. stage. You know, if Gary Boyer goes out and says, "I'm confident we can pick up nine points out of nine. Right. If you know, if if you're one of the rival managers, that's going right up in the dressing room. That's yeah. look how he's writing us up. Look. So you just, you know, you, you do you you play it with a straight back. Christ, I remember when I was on the the Hearts beat when they won the championship by a record margin, and Robbie Nielsen was given it every single week we're just focusing on ourselves one <laughs> game at a time you're going you're 19 points ahead with six <laughs> games left like, but no not a yeah. chance not a chance because yeah. all season hearts had been taking every single word that came out of ibrooks we are the best team in the division we've got to believe we are the best team in the division yeah. we are rangers blah 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 
and that was getting relayed to the players you better believe it so that's when you want somebody with a calm head yeah. maybe not always speaking in headlines but that's a, that's a, that's how you win titles by just keeping the head down and doing the work great stuff George get up there and get back with three points right crossing the road where things, perhaps amazingly, are quite a bit calmer now, Alan. And <laughs> well done to Jim Goodwin and his players. If you look after the last two results, United, they're almost a win away from looking up to St. Johnson. Goodness me, I thought you were going to say they're almost <laughs> a win away from safety. Yeah, like talking about getting carried away. Yeah, we, I think we, we coined the phrase the, the fuel less bad factor last week. <laughs> that fuel less bad factor is growing. It will soon be a feel good factor. Um, they they were really good at, uh, at Motherwell. Um, don't get me wrong, it was one of those sort of Sisu. Uh, Sisu. <laughs> yes, Sisu. It, was, it, was, it was a Zidane type game. <laughs> no, it, was a, it, was a, it was a seesaw uh, type game. And it really, uh, you know, it could have gone either way, you know, for, for fans of such things. Things, you know, Mother will outperformed United's XG despite the fact United had a penalty, which massages that, uh, you know, statistics. So Mother will could have won that game, but Dundee United did win the game, and they were combative, pressed, tackled, lots of energy, lots of fitness, and more than anything, that intangible of fifteen hundred away fans. It was just a good atmosphere. It was a bit of positivity, yeah. and Jim Goodwin's got. The whole club pulling in the right direction as we speak. You know, last night the the club put up a you know a video with him, kind of speaking directly to camera, speaking directly to supporters. And in terms of positive feedback from something put out on Dundee United's uh, club channels this season, unprecedented. You know, the positivity. It was um, so he's doing a fine job. He came in at a really tough time, four points adrift at the bottom of the league. Um, even. Even prior to, um, you know, Ross County were four points um, ahead yeah. of them. You know, mm. relatively recently. You know, in the last week, ten days, we were we were worried that United could be cut off. Yeah, exactly. And that's you know, he, he came in on a bad situation. But let's be honest, quite deep into Jim Goodwin's tenure, uh, before, they went into that Hibs game. You know, four mm -hmm. points adrift at the bottom of the league, and um, and then, you know went into the 90th minute not winning that match. So the turnaround has been recent and it's been important and it's been uh, heartening for United fans, but but can't get carried away. That's that's the key thing. You know, they're only ahead of Kilmarnock by virtue of goal difference. They're only ahead of Ross County by one point. The notion that um, anything has been decided, the notion that this is a, a one-way street to survival that will have no bumps in the road mm -hmm. is probably fanciful but six games left expecting a good crowd at Tannadice this weekend there's a wee bit of positivity there's a feeling that the club is finally pulling in the right direction and tentative optimism shall we call it yeah I mean Bear when you're in United's position uh, as they were before the Hibs game at the bottom of the league any a point anything positive is something mm -hmm. they're going to latch on to but they've not just won two games They've won one game right at the death. They've gone to one of the form teams mm -hmm. in the league and battled hard for a victory. And dare they say, but for a ridiculous sort of contradictory mm -hmm. couple of penalty decisions from VAR, it could have been a 3 1 win at Motherwell. I mean, that has to be mm -hmm. a, a big lift for them. Yeah, the, the manner of the victories is, is another reason to take great heart because you could have pointed the finger at United. You know, a few weeks back and saying, have a few of these players actually chucked it? Have they given up the ghost? Because that's what, you know, the results were suggesting that. But to go Ross County away as well, yeah. the performance in that yeah. game. Mm. But to, to, to go away and, you know, well, well, the game against Hibs, obviously, and, and, and get the late goal there. But one nothing down at Motherwell at half time, I'm, you know, that cheered up a lot of fans at Dens yeah. Park on Saturday because you could not see Dundee United coming back. But fair play to Dundee United yeah. to, to, to dig that out, as, as we've said, against one of the one of the forum teams, and 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 the, and the manner that they've done it will give Jim Goodwin great heart that they've got enough there. And we, we always knew that they had the ability within that squad to pick up points, but did they have the desire to go out and win games when it comes down to nitty gritty? Because that's what's going to come down to time. Regardless of what happens at the weekend, it's going to be a shootout head to head. What United have got a great chance of doing at the weekend 
if you can buy yourself one of these, if you can buy yourself a cushion, they could maybe get themselves maybe a, a, a three or a four point gap on the team at the bottom if, if results go their way, and that could be invaluable with, with you know five games left. But what I will say as well, I think they've had the breaks. They've, they've had the breaks going for them in, in, in both these games against Hibs and Motherwell. Maybe they've deserved it. the Dundee. <laughs> no, no, listen. Listen, I remember seeing it. I remember the penalty kick at, at Tarnish not so... So it was against Hearts uh, when they were completely... Mm-hmm. You know, it was the wrong decision. Everybody in the yeah. ground for it. And the VAR still gave Hearts the penalty kick. Was that the Simmern one? Was it Simmern? Sorry, yeah. Simmern, yeah. That uh, was, yeah. You're, you're See, Bear's urgent to watch no. retire of your men. There was an iffy one when they drew 2-2 at Hearts yeah. as well. So, uh, All right, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So, yeah, right. while I say they're getting their breaks, they're now getting their fair share of the breaks. Yeah. That's maybe maybe what I would say. But you need more than that to keep your keep your heads above water mm-hmm. in the Premier League. You have to play. You have to play with ability, but you have to play with a passion and a desire to pick up points. And United are doing that now. And Alan's right. You know, there'll be a big crowd there on Saturday, an expectant crowd, but you've got to remember they're playing a Livingston side who've got a chance of getting in the top mm. six and who are no mugs. Um, so it's, it's set up for a nice game, but they do have a, a real opportunity to go and pick up more points. Especially when you look at the fixture list. Fixture lists have it's shaken out pretty nicely for, for Dundee United. It's, you know, home to Livingston is winnable. You wouldn't... You're reluctant to, to say anything about Hearts because uh, the form they're in, but they are under a new manager and hosting Ross County, and you'd expect too many good players to keep losing. You would, you would think that, and Kilmarnock are away from home, so if uh, you know if there is any logic mm. to the world, Kilmarnock will lose. So, yeah. well, some uh, need points to secure top six. Exactly, I think, and I think they've. Um, I saw on Twitter they've sold out the home end for that game so Paisley mm. will be bouncing so that's that's gone well and after the split um, Dundee United should have three home games compared to two if it shakes out fairly which it sometimes doesn't there's always a, mm. there's always a team yeah. that ends up with a skewed fixture list you, you, th- you think when they're putting the fixtures they won't yeah. in the relegation battle they won't do something they over. won't want to they won't want to cause any consternation for yeah. County Comarnock or United um, in terms of the fixture list um, and I think providing Livingston are in the bottom six, it should shake out fairly for everyone involved. So that that would be good. But you, do, you know, you're you're loath to predict these things. But all told, the fixture list between now and the end of the season should shake out pretty nicely for Dundee United. They shouldn't be going back to Rugby Park again. Mm. They shouldn't be going up to Dingwall again. So you know, home games against your two biggest I rivals. I, yeah. I, I think I'd be surprised if they get both those teams at home. Oh, I would be surprised. Doom. No, I, I, honestly, I would. I would Alan said, I mean, I, I, obviously, you've, you've looked at the fixture list and they're, and they're due to play those two teams at, at Tandice. I'd be surprised if they get both of them all. I think they'll have to go, go to one of these grounds. Um, just looking at Kilmarnock and, and Ross County, Kilmarnock looked to me as though they're, they're in dire straits the way they've been playing recently. Um, Swept aside, I mean, yeah, they could have been but, six down in yeah. less than half an hour against Celtic. But what we'll say that. I'm always, always think they're capable of picking up points at Rugby Park because of the, the, the plastic surface. What I've seen in Ross County, Ross County, have, you know, the, the, they've battled away in their last few games. You know, um, against Aberdeen last Friday night, they, they, they put in a hell, of a, a hell of a sort of 90 minutes. But you've got an Aberdeen side now who are defending properly. But Ross County battered them with balls into the box, but Aberdeen stood firm. So I, th- I think Ross County have got something about them. Because it, it still suggests that they can pick up points, but I'd be very surprised if yeah, you need to get them both at home. It's quite remarkable, just looking at the table, that United are ahead of anybody on goal difference. Mm-hmm. They've yep. got seven better than Kilmarnock, but United got beat 9-0 mm-hmm. at the start of the season. So it's, That's amazing. It just shows you how poor Kilmarnock have been at times, particularly away, f- away from Rugby Park. And uh, I mean, I I think St Johnson are in this. Mm-hmm. They've, they've parted yeah. company with Callum Davidson, and they're again. It's amazing. I mean, if United meet St Johnson after the split, mm-hmm. having you know identical results until that game, again, what you say, it's amazing that if United beat them two 0 they yeah. draw level with them on <laughs> on you know goal difference. Yeah. How how does that go? But it, and it's also, I mean, it's an interesting one. There, whether it's Hibs or Livingston, or possibly an outside chance, St Mirren, uh, as well as Motherwell. Those those games are going to be interesting because there there are two teams definitively have only got pride to play for. The the teams in seventh and eighth 
will not be in any fear of relegation. So mm. the, the twist there, maybe if you get them at home, you're, you're going to fancy your chances. I agree with uh, with Bear. I, I don't think Ross County are a bad team at all. No. Um, I was looking at the uh, stats of the that County Aberdeen game he was talking about there, and Kel Roos makes four saves during that game. Ross Lidlow didn't make any. Well, Ross Lidlow did not have a save to make. He mm-hmm. had to pick the ball out his net, yeah. but he didn't have a save to make. So that is... Um, I think County are a decent side and if there's any team down there that can look at it and say, you know what, I really don't think league position necessarily, uh, from what I've seen of them respectively, I think County are a better team than Kilmarnock, but the Kilmarnock's home form yeah. is just, people just really struggle going to yeah. the, to, to Rugby Park. So, And given Dundee United's upturn as well, yeah, absolutely you'd look up to St Johnston and say they could be in trouble because they're the... Right now, at this moment in time, they look the weakest of those mm-hmm. the teams. Um, come, if you were to take Kilmarnock's away form, you would say they look the weakest of the team by a considerable distance. But when you've got that home form, yeah. um, you, you can't ever, ever count them out. So I think we're now in a four-way battle. What I would say is just by the uh, logically giving they're all going to play each other, the chances of all three teams overtaking St Johnston yes. is yeah. mathematically <laughs> minuscule because yes. they'll all what is a playoff, isn't yeah, it? exactly. They'll all take points off each other, so mathematically, it would just be tough for every one of those three teams to overtake St Johnston. However, two of them overtaking St Johnston is absolutely not out with the realms of possibility, and you can see that's why St Johnston. I mean, I know it's not a St Johnston podcast, but you can see why they've made that decision that mm. they've made because as you try to attract investment as you try to attract a new owner the prospect of relegation would be disastrous and while I feel sorry for Callum Davidson you would unlike other clubs uh, in various divisions this season St Johnson have been patient haven't they because this is the, the problems at St Johnson have gone back to the start of last season so it's uh, the manager was given time to sort them out. Yeah, they've also been through this before in the sense that they gave Callum time and it paid off. So you can see why they've given yeah. him so long this season because they do the logically it's the, the same principle. It's a wee bit comparable to what's going on at Hearts where they didn't pull the trigger after Robbie lost to Brora and you know had a, had a miserable run. So you can see why he got you know, a, a reasonable amount of time this yeah. season before it became apparent that he was maybe not able to turn things around. So it, it would have been a decision that um, uh, that wasn't come upon lightly by St Johnston, that's for sure. And they'll be hoping that it prompts the turnaround that they need because, as I said earlier, I think we're, we definitely are looking at a four-way battle down there, which will make it... You know, you're discussing in the Dundee section, just being able mm-hmm. to lie back and enjoy yeah. it. You know, if you're a neutral, the <laughs> bottom of the league is where the the story is. The this season. Is, it's, yeah. it's the race. It's the race for third, and it's the battle at the bottom. And um, from a, you know, for any neutrals watching on, I, ho- I, I do hope that's reflected when the um, when Sky start promoting games, when they decide what to show, when they decide to try and market this to the world who cares about Celtic's procession to the title it's done um, you know actually give us what are the live issues in Scottish football and it's the race for third and it's the relegation battle they'll both be crackers yeah Bear you, you can maybe share this sentiment or disagree with it but as Alan says you're going to put it in order of priority because we should celebrate success but emotionally for fans avoiding relegations gives you a bigger high or a bigger sense of relief than finishing in the top six or finishing third, doesn't it? It's a big... Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, Dundee, the top six seems like a million a million years ago, Tom, but I remember when they got to the top six and they finished in sixth and the games were immaterial almost. I think they lost um, every game, didn't they? Yeah. I, think <laughs> I remember being at a couple of games that I've watched and one was actually, even though I was working, I was on holiday, I went to Motherwell when mm-hmm. Ivano Bonetti was the manager yeah. and they qualified for the top six and yeah. it was, come on, come on. And the final whistle went and you sort of went, oh, that was good. No, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still sixth. That's, yeah. that's why you need to have that competition in Scottish football. You can't have a closed shop Really, uh, or, or a huge league where there's so many games that mean are meaningless. Mm, yeah. And you see, you see, Alan's right. You see where the excitement lies now in the Premier League. It's at the foot where the excitement is in the Championship because you've got so many teams, you know, involved in yeah. that final. And that's what generates excitement and, and makes people want to go to games and see games. And that's 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 exactly what it's all about. Just but just looking at the bottom six, 
there's going to be a couple of teams in there if it's, if it is as it stands Livingston and Motherwell with effectively nothing to play mm -hmm. for but that's dangerous they go in the park and play with the freedom I'm sure Stuart Kettlewell you know he suffered against Dundee United he's not going to want to switch off so now he's got that Motherwell job he'll, he'll be making sure those players are switched on right, right to the very end that's not saying they're going to win every game but he's going to make sure they're going to be battling for every single point that's going. And of course, there are financial implications as well. There are big sort yeah. of disparities between finishing sixth and finishing tenth. So, you know, you don't suddenly want to start, start slipping way down the league and it's costing you hundreds of thousands of pounds. So, yeah, no, it's, it's set up for, as it always is in the Premier League, you know, a really sort of exciting time. You know, and there are highs for the teams that have been at both sides of the coin where... Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you get the three wins very quickly and suddenly you're, you've gone from a team who's looked like they're going to drop to suddenly being a team that you can relax for the last game or so to the other side of the coin where we've been there, Tom, to the deciding day at Livingston that day when, when Dundee were actually relegated that day at Livingston, you know, in the, in the heartbreak that mm. sort of you, you take from that. Um, but that's football. and it's, uh, That's why we we'll love it or hate it so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. It, System. I always like to say, George, you know, teams with nothing to play for are easy to beat, but teams with nothing to play for also find it easy to win. Yeah. It tends to be, if they start a game well, they'll just keep playing well because they're relaxed. Yeah, well, we see it quite every season. The, the last few games in any league, there's big scores because the defence is relaxed, the attackers relax, uh, and start playing with that freedom that you're talking about even with some of them wearing flip-flops for the <laughs> summer as gets thrown at them um but yeah it'd be that would hurt your toes <laughs> <laughs> um so i the, the split fixtures is going to be key obviously as we talked about they're coming up after this round of fixtures and i don't envy the spfl every single year trying to put these things together well, um, they, they came up with a format i know it's daft um, I think United, yeah, just talking about purely about United, I think United are in a pretty decent shape now. And one, th one thing that they do have that we've seen in the, these two last victories is they've got a surefire penalty taker in, in <laughs> Jamie <laughs> McGrath. Oh, which, coolest uh, man in the world, eh? In, in these days of VAR interrupting football constantly and Erling giving penalties Holland, all over the shop. Eat, <laughs> yeah. eat your heart out, laddie. Exactly. Like, you're no Jamie McGrath. No, well, that's, I, I was thinking about that earlier I mean people can as assume penalties are easy and they should be scored every time but Erling Haaland missed this week in the Champions League mm -hmm. Bakayo Sako missed at the weekend I think Mo Salah's missed two this season I think yeah. so it's a <laughs> don't diss them all properly Jim. elite of the elite missed penalties but Jamie McGrath doesn't yeah Jamie McGrath's got 17 scored from 18 attempts yeah. that's an outrageous yeah, ratio yeah. you know that's, that is and I couldn't believe how cool his penalty was at Fur Park he just slowly walked up and uh -huh. rolled the ball calmly yeah. down the middle of the I goal I think he takes like, a bit of pace off the ball because you can put the ball down the middle but if you hit it really firmly you'll catch the keeper actually making his dive but mm. if you take a bit of pace off it and what happened on Saturday the keeper's, mm -hmm. the keeper's, keeper's gone. moved out the way yeah. and it just, it just trundles down the middle it was, uh, it was funny I spoke to him after the game and I was you know, quite interested to hear about how much he practiced and the answer is barely at all takes a couple for fun <laughs> uh -huh. during training uh -huh. but you're know, trying to get into his mindset of you know what because you can kind of see what he does he waits for the keeper to shimmy slightly and then rolls it to the, the mm. other side yeah. or down the middle where, as Peter says taking a bit of pace off it so the keeper's away but trying to get him to admit that that's what he does so um but you know you, you can it's a it's a battle of nerves with the goalkeeper who shimmy first and mm -hmm. clearly tends to be the, the the keeper goes so oh. it's um yeah he has serious bottle and yeah. the, the one I get at Fur Park was was cheer because he just slowly rolls it down yeah. the middle however the one at, at home to Hibs is the one that required absolute yeah. big pressure total bottle yeah. you know because that if he misses that penalty there's a vastly more chance of Dundee United getting relegated and you wouldn't have known it with the way he took mm -hmm. it so yeah as, as George says um, huge benefit having someone who 
uh, if I was clever enough at maths and Rishi Sunak would be furious but I could work out the, per- <laughs> the, the, the percentage likelihood of him scoring based on 17 from 18 but it's a high percentage yeah. of likelihood that he'll score that so it's in the 90s yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah it's um, that's a big benefit and in terms of other people that maybe deserve a wee shout out um, Imini Skinnan first goal in f- 560 days since playing against Ross County and October 2021 I think his last goal and you could see what it meant to him just pure roar of relief in front of the United mm. fans and a nicer more hard working man you could not meet it's good than, to see how much it meant to him isn't oh, it he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely bloke um, really as well, hard. as well as other players all seem to enjoy him yeah. Yeah. 100% story. you can see how popular it is he's really supportive in the dressing room a good character hard working first in last out and yeah Bear's right he's, he is the the attitude of his teammates towards him speak volumes because it would be so easy for him to be moping about the place and maybe not be the greatest teammate in the world mm-hmm. because you've got your own things to worry mm. about and that's clearly not been the case with him so delighted delighted for him his performance wasn't uh, perfect and you know that that position while Middleton's out is still very much up for for grabs but I was I was really happy for him and Craig Zibold was terrific again absolutely terrific and yesterday um Wednesday, as we speak, uh, United kind of uh, announced their, their Player of the Year awards, and you know, touch touch wood, they won't be awards yeah. after they go down. Otherwise, that'll be a bit of a damp squib. But it's um, I I would be stunned if Craig Zibold isn't front runner for that Player of the Year award, and because uh, he's just been he's been good even when United were bad, and he's been exceptional now that United are half decent. So uh, he's got to be him and Aziz Behic for me are probably the, the the only two real real contenders for that one. Just as you're describing the performances of players there, and um, one for you, George or Bear, whoever wants to jump in, it occurs to me, understandably and rightly, when you're in a, a relegation pa- battle, people talk about your fighting quality and your character and stuff like that. But it's got to help Jim Goodwin that he knew that if he could get things right in the players' heads and the players' approach, there's actually a lot of really good players yeah. there in the end. A good team will usually beat a bad team, all, all, all other things being equal. You'd hope so. That's 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 the aim. Sabir didn't want to praise you. <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen in recent weeks, Stephen Fletcher's, he's been good all season, but it looks yeah. like he's really stepped up. He's obviously got the goal against Hibs. Jimmy McGrath hasn't had the impact throughout the season that they were hoping for when they, they grabbed him in the summer because obviously he'd been very good for St Mirren in the past. He's coming coming good. I thought as it's BH, just, just for, obviously I wasn't at the game, but seeing the highlights, he looked like a real threat in that Hibs game. And I'm guessing, guessing well, I can't remember from seeing him much in, in the Marlowe game. But, <laughs> but you, could, you could see the the difference when he's playing well that United play, play well because he gives such a threat down that left flank yeah but, but you know popping him up to left wing has been a you know masterstroke by yeah. Jim Goodwin it's just a fairly obvious thing to do is if your best attacking <laughs> threat happens to be a left back shove him higher up the yeah. pitch and he's getting close to Fletcher and that's the reason getting Fletcher's, crosses in the box exactly that's the reason yeah. Fletcher's having such a uh, positive impact it's because he's finally got people around him mm-hmm. you know fair play to him for continuing to plough that lone furrow all season because it must have been incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. for a, a man of his age who's played at his level to just be dealing with shelled balls up to him when nobody's around him which was the case for too much of the season now there's bodies around him he's bringing others into the game and everything is revolving around him and talking about you know players of the year if Stephen Fletcher had been in a, a slightly more high functioning team for the majority of the mm-hmm. year he would probably win that but um, there's, there's others that just due to the nature of a lot of United's campaign have been a little bit more impactful. Yeah, I mean, Bear, just to get a bit nostalgic on Bessic here, <laughs> that, that, what Jim Goodwin's a classic Jim McLean thing, especially with defenders who he signed from abroad. Mm-hmm. If he saw they had a good first touch or in Bessic's case could dribble and put the ball in, he would immediately tie them in midfield or further oh, yeah. forward somewhere eh? no brainer no brainer I mean I, a lot of the best defenders have started their careers uh, certainly at full backs as, as, as wingers mm-hmm. and going back maybe you know as, as they've got older in their career but it's a great mm-hmm. thing to have a full back who's played in that sort of position because when they get into that position if they're allowed to get in that position they know how to put a ball in the box they'll know how to stick a ball across a goal and uh, 
I said, well, well, I mean, I mean, even Scottish players, I mean, Paul Hegarty came to Dundee United as a centre-forward. striker. Centre-forward. Quickly changed to centre-half. Tom McAdam. Yeah, but, uh, yep. And you see that, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's Colin Henry. So, yeah. But never, they never lose that ability, though. Colin Henry got goals through his career. Paul Hegarty scored umpteen goals of them. Goals. Quite a lot of them against Dundee, I've got to say. Yes. <laughs> but you never lose that ability because that's where he started his career. And he was a striker. He was good in the box at finding space. A fantastic leap. Obviously, Paul Hegarty wasn't the biggest in the world, but what a leap you had. And you could yeah. head, header the ball properly as well. But yeah, I mean, you're right about it. Going, going on to Behitch, I mean, he's a guy who's played at the highest level uh-huh. in terms of World Cups and things like that. So... Yeah, he looks as though he enjoys getting forward as well. He looks as though he enjoys getting to that final third and, and getting balls into the box. And, you know, as Alan's pointed out, Fletcher, for a lot of this season, has, has had to deal with things on his own. But it looks as though he is getting a bit of support from elsewhere, not just Behitz, but other players in the team are getting in and around him. And you think they're gaining their awards from that. And that's what they'll be looking to do in the final half a dozen games of the season. And Alan, to come up to date with the current gym, the manager, you mentioned he, he, the rallying cry he made this week. Also, I heard his um, after-match interview on Saturday. Again, showing he's a smart guy, he made the point. He said, the team's done well. I'm pleased. He brought his long-time number two, Lee Sharpin. But then he turned around and mentioned Dave Bowman and the other coaching staff. He said, guys that were already here, guys that mean a lot to the club. He's he's got that sort of intelligence to make sure he brings together everyone together he gets everyone involved gives everyone praise when he can it's a really good point because there's a there's a perception that a manager's job is about picking 11 players and the coaching you do during the week that is a factor of it but that's maybe 50% of it the rest of it it's man management it's creating a positive particularly with Dundee United this season it's about trying to rediscover a positive energy around the club like it's been really negative for a lot of this season you know earlier in the campaign you know you've had your banners towards Tony Asker you've had two managers that didn't live up to expectation you've had disappointments and the recruitment of the club from from a portion of the fan base all of it breeds negativity and you'd be wrong if you thought that players and staff don't noticed that you know it's yeah. uh, it's it's i'm not blaming the fans for it but it's it is something the players notice and it's it just creates maybe an, uh, an energy that's not great to feed on for the team and jim goodman's come in and it's quite clear that him and obviously with the help of people at the club have realized that part of the battle is bringing everyone together part of the battle is getting the fans feeling positive about the new regime getting the fans feeling positive about the direction the team's going and that let's not be silly that only happens with results and and they've done that part of it but also Jim's proven a very very shrewd PR operator you know his his communication's good his quotes are good he's getting the fans on side and it it feels like he's bringing a little bit of togetherness and and looking at the sort of macro view of everything we're not getting carried away but in the assumption that he keeps United up in fact hell if they finish 11th and stay up or there's even a scenario in which they go down but do it with you know with an element of, of pride intact mm-hmm. I think he has to stay I mean I just uh, he is uh, he's doing uh, he's a man on course for a contract yeah uh, of course he's he's doing the things that he was brought in to do in terms of the upturn in performance but he's doing loads of other stuff that you know the intangibles of bringing that positivity of communication with the fans of building relationships within the club that are just impressive as a man um and i think that's uh, all that told i would struggle to see if jim walked away <laughs> jim goodwin walks away who are they who are they bringing yeah. in that's uh, mm. you know regardless of the circumstances so i think that's a man very much on on course for a for a contract and as I say, I'm, I'm not making any assumptions, but at this moment in time, if the final six games go the way the last couple have, and you know, even the last, uh, going back to the St Mirren game, which they should have won, mm-hmm. I'm quite excited uh, about what's to come in the next few games and also what's to come next season because, um, as you've touched on, United have good players. If they keep a hold of enough of these good players, then I'm excited to see what kind of team Jim Goodwin could build next season. Yeah, I must admit, guys, the more I see a Jim Goodwin at Dundee United, the more staggered I am at how things went wrong for him at Aberdeen, yeah. I just I just don't get it. Maybe it was 
some managers and clubs just don't fit for some reason. But he, he he's back to being what he was when he was at Aloha, which just the fact you saw him more than any other lower league manager possibly or on interviewed because he's a good interview and he's a good talker mm. and his his thought process is so good. It just staggers me what happened to Aberdeen. We, we said it at the time um, on this podcast, if Jim Goodwin had been appointed Dundee United manager on the back of his efforts at St Mirren, you'd be thinking that's a cracking oh. appointment. Mm-hmm. So it was disingenuous to just take that final spell at Aberdeen and write him off. I was not I was never particularly cynical about Jim Goodwin. I think he's a, he looked a good appointment before anything happened and now that has been starting to be borne out. But it's also worth noting he had a hellish post-World Cup with Aberdeen but his whole tenure at Aberdeen wasn't disastrous he took over a team that was in the doldrums uh, under Stephen Glass Mm -hmm. gradually got them playing a bit they were decent going forward they were riding relatively high going into the World Cup and the league table Um, they then came back and could have beat Rangers but for conceding two injury time goals could have drawn with Celtic, but for Callum McGregor smashing one in from the edge of the box uh, in their dying embers. And from then, who knows the exact specifics yeah. of why it unraveled, yeah. but my goodness, did it unravel. And Maybe it was getting stuffed by United. Maybe it's United's fault. <laughs> so uh, it's just so a cunning plan. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it was a strange few weeks to conclude his time at Aberdeen. Really, really strange. Um, and but I don't think that should define a career. It was his first real shocking run yeah, as, a as a manager. So mm. it's it's this weird sort of recency bias and desperation for everything to be the best or the worst thing that's ever happened that we have in our kind of society and social media in general. It's he, he was never um, as bad as that time, the, you know, the way his time at Aberdeen ended. And I think he's starting to show that now. Great stuff. You know, the one thing I hate about him though, how do you sculpt a beard that perfectly? <laughs> I, I just, I I've been trying for years. I've given up. All I do is cut myself. Yeah. Anyway, on that cheery note, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>